Well, I'm Jamie Toady, or James Toady. Pick, take your pick. Depending on the circumstances, I'm both. And uh, I get the joy of speaking to you. Pastor Jeff is away with family in Wisconsin, where it's extremely cold. The old country, yes. And if you don't mind, open your Bibles up to John chapter 6, verse 1. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. All right. Well, I just want to say real quick, I'm going to bear some people here. This is my mom and dad right here. Norman Patty. They came all the way from Muckleteo, so just to hear me. So, And you guys had such a shorter distance, so consider yourselves blessed. <laughs> all right. Well, let's just start off. Let's just go in here. All right. Well, the Gospels, there's four stories of Jesus. Two of them actually begin with the birth of actually a child, Jesus as a child. The other two begin with Jesus' public ministry. And it's really cool looking at the different Gospels because you get a different perspective of Jesus based on who wrote the book. And some stories are in one Gospel and some are not in the other. And you don't really know why. That's just what the, the writers decided to do. But this story, where Jesus feeds a bunch of people, is in all four of them, which means it really impacted all four writers. So this is John's account. All right, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of the people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So there are other Gospels actually count more that Jesus actually was teaching and at one point he says, I need a break. So he went off to be a, like a, a quiet place, a lonely place. And so him and the disciples go, and the, the crowd just keeps on following him. They find this nice, nice place to hang out. He sits down and looks around, and a crowd is following him. He's just, they, they see something special about Jesus, and they want more of him. Jesus went up to the outside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for the, all these people to eat? He asked them this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answers, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Jesus asks a question knowing he has a plan or a mind, but he's testing him. Hey, he's trying to say basically, hey, this is going to be your responsibility to take care of these people. What are we going to do? And he basically says, Jesus, it's impossible. You know, another thing we kind of forget is it wasn't like they could go to Safeway and go, oh yeah, let's just donate some money, let's go to Safeway and get some bread. They, you know, there's a huge amount of people. There wasn't, wouldn't be enough food there in the community anyways. But he still asked him because, hey, what are we going to do for these people? Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Once again, another disciple. We have this very small donation here. But who is it going to do? How, 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 good, how, well, how far will that even go? People only get a little tiny bite. Once again, 
another disciple, and to be honest, me and maybe some of you too, saying, that's impossible. But Jesus says, verse 10, have the people sit down. Uh, one translation it says recline. Basically, relax. Something good's coming. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as, as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Verse 12. When they, had all had, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that, that there are, that, I'm sorry, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley, five barley loaves left over by those who had, had eaten. Let's kind of go over the story a little bit here, you know. So, I don't know what happened here, but no one brought food except for this little boy. And the boy has five, five small barley loaves. And so these, these are actually really small things. And then two small fish. I don't know, as a kid you hear about the story, I don't know, maybe because we're living in the Seattle area, you think like a salmon, big thing. No, these were small. And it's a barley loaf, and barley loaves actually were like the poor man's food. And so the, bar, the, the fish would be more like you put on the bread just to make it more palatable. So this was not like, this is great stuff, you know. Reading this story, I couldn't help think of my own boy, because Will, he's eight years old, if he could have tuna fish sandwiches every day for school, he would. And he's kind of like a... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I just saw someone look like, wow, what's wrong with your kid? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 he's like me. I, I love tuna fish sandwiches too. And then and Amy will also give him some apples and some carrots and... He'll come home and he won't eat the apples or carrots, and so he's forced to eat those afterwards because we're trying to get him have a balanced diet, but he, we're struggling there. Stubborn little boy. But, you know, I couldn't help it. Here's a little guy, you know, in the story, here's a little guy eating bread and fish. But he willingly gives it up to, up, up to the disciples. You know, um, you know, you think about the disciples. This is too hard. Why has this become our problem, Jesus? Isn't this their job? Shouldn't they be taking care of themselves? And besides, the problem's too big for us. You know, it's two, th- two things I know. is that I know that God does want us to be responsible. He does want us to take care of ourselves. If we have debts, He wants us to pay them. He wants us to keep in the means of, of our budgets. But I also know that tragedies happen. Crises happen. Cars break down in the middle of the road. I know that furnaces stop working. I know that house problems happen all the time, especially in mine. <laughs> and we need each other. And God, you know, Jesus is trying to these disciples to say, hey, these are your problems. What are you going to do for these guys? I want you to get my heart for these people. And I love in verse 12, it says that all the people were satisfied. One translation says, more than enough. Another one says, as much as they desired. And afterwards, they gathered up 12 baskets. But how do you get 12 baskets from five loaves of bread? Tiny, small loaves of bread. And I love this for some reason. Maybe it's just uh, my heritage, but let nothing be wasted. You know, my, my grandparents were Depression-era people, and they made everything last. 
everything lasts. And you ever know some people from the Depression? They will save everything. And it's, it's a wonderful thing because I think sometimes we are kind of the chuck-it-all society now. And Jesus says, let nothing be wasted. I love it because he's actually, I think one reason he's doing this thing, I want you to see this was a miracle. This was not by chance. This had just happened to happen. This was a miracle that God did. You know, John calls it a miracle, a sign. A sign that says, this is not any ordinary guy. This is Jesus. And he's on a mission. Some commentators have tried to rationalize this miracle. Some have said, well, you know, some, we're each given a tiny little piece. Well, that doesn't make sense. Then why do you, how would you end up with 12 baskets in the end? And some are saying, oh, it was really symbolic. But no, if you read the story, John goes out of his way to explain this was a miracle. And this is how these people were, were touched. All we can really do is accept this is a miracle. God really did this. God really touched these people. It was a God thing. And this whole situation, these people, these 5,000, this is 5,000 men, that's just, they only counted the men just the way it was back then. So it was probably even all, it was a lot more than that. Why did Jesus do this? Because Jesus wanted them to know that God is in the business for caring for people. He deeply cares about people and wants us, like the disciples, to care about them too. And you know, this whole story, what I love about this, and it talks about a boy. And this, in this gospel, it's the only one that actually mentions the boy at all. The other ones are just like, there's five loaves and two fish. They don't say how it happened. This little guy doesn't get credit. Only, only one gospel gives this little guy credit for it. But I love it. And I think he's like a smart mama. You know, it's probably the same smart mama that probably said, make sure he's changed his underwear before he left town, too, you know? <laughs> but he gives it. It's a meager little meal. It was a poor man's meal. But God used it in a powerful way. The boy had something to give, and many were blessed for it. What gifts and abilities do you have to give? I want you to know that you have something to give. Each one of you has something to give. Home improvement projects. I'm not very good at it. I'll confess it. And I've been blessed over the years. I had a friend who's a contractor. He helped put new windows in. Things I could never do. My father-in-law shames me all the time. He helped me work on my, uh, my, uh, my dishwasher. And then also the spigot outside. You get the little bread and the white, white bread. And you, you stop the water to stop the leak. And then you put the new one. I don't know how he does it. He's just a jack of all trades, you know. It's, it's difficult when your father-in-law can do so much. And you can do so little, Okay. He's also a pastor, and he also does the worship before, the, before he preaches, okay? Just to rub it in, you know? <laughs> and what is my gift? My gift is I give these guys opportunity to work on my house. That's, that's my... <laughs> one of my gifts, I was thinking about it. What's one of my gifts? One of my gifts is patience. My daughter actually embarrassed me, actually shocked me. She actually said, Dad, you're so patient. And that's a kid saying that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. You know, and at work, I work in a pharmacy, and you work with the public. And most jobs, you are working with the public in some way. And sometimes people are wonderful. Sometimes they're really difficult. And there's sometimes my boss, we talk to someone on the phone, he'll put them on hold and say, okay, James, this is yours. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? And everyone's all, <laughs> and I like this. Hi, how can I help you? I was talking to the other guy. I, I know, I know, I, you get me now. So, <laughs> so what's going on here? And I'd say about 90% of the time, I'm able to talk him down, 
cool them down, make the apologies of something that we didn't err, and sometimes it's not our error, it's just a situation of circumstance, you know. Medication lab back order, I have no control of that. I don't make the medication, I just dispense it, you know. Um, I work in a pharmacy, by the way, it's a legal profession. <laughs> not out of the garage, okay, so. But 90% of the time, I'm able to calm them down. Because, and then I got the phone, and my boss will say, man, you're so patient. It doesn't mean I'm always patient. Trust me, I'm not. But I do maybe more excel in that. That's something, a gift, that I have to acknowledge that God's given to me in using it. And being that, being a Christian and serving Jesus, patience comes in to be a pretty important part in life. And I'm glad because there's sometimes it might, things might come in my mouth that I really wish hadn't come in my mouth. But because of the patience, I stopped. <laughs> I'm really glad for that. Sometimes I think, oh, I could have said this. You know? But I'm so glad I didn't. The boy was willing to give what he had. He had a choice. He could have just kept it himself saying, hey, these guys didn't plan. I'm going to eat my little crummy bread. But no, he, he chose to give it. Choose to give what God's given you. Know that there's a need out there. The boy did not hold, hold back what he had, even though he was small. He was just a little boy. Nell Reagan, Ronald Reagan's mom, said, you can be too big to be used by God, but never too small. He was poor. And sometimes I hear about these really cool things. I hear about you know, Bill Gates, he has like a foundation. And the guy's, he's got a chunk of money. And he's got a foundation that helped a lot of great causes. And I, that's great. Hats off to him. And then I heard about this guy who would be play up like, you guys heard about this? Like for 10 years, the guy would dress up like Santa Claus, go to different places, and have like a bodyguard to protect him. But he dressed up like Santa Claus and just like give up people $100 bills just randomly, just to bless people. And I think that was so cool. It was so cool just to bless people randomly. You know, it's Christmas time. Maybe the finances are a little tight. Here's 100 bucks. The guy in a Santa suit. And he wouldn't let anybody know about it. He eventually got, got they figured out who it was. And he had a bodyguard. Because maybe some people might be, you know, the guy's got more. <laughs> so, so then he'd, and he'd fly into different towns and he'd fly out. You know, that, that was what he would do. And I thought that was so cool. But, you know, if, if I limit God by how, much, how little finances I have, I'm limiting God. You say, that's great. You know, that's great. How that money? That would be great. I could do that. Or if I had that ability, that could be great. I could do that. But God has given each one of you something to give. Don't compare yourself to someone else. His offering was small. It's just for a little guy. We might think of our own circumstances. We might say, you know, like I mentioned before, we're too poor. You know, I'm not smart enough to lead a Bible study. Too sinful. Boy, if you, if you saw my past life, you wouldn't want me around. Not spiritual enough. Some people just look spiritual, don't they? They just, man, they know what the right things to say, and sometimes we just him and haw. I don't know the Bible well enough. I'm too busy. I don't have time. His donation was not the best. It was only adequate. But it was good enough for God to use. The disciples saw only the problem. But Jesus saw the solution. And his offering was more than enough. 
In our church, uh, I've been part of this church for 19 years? How many years? 2018, 18 years. So we've been part of this church for a long time, and we love this church. We've seen it go through a lot of changes. In our church, some of you may be newer, but we've, had, we've lost a couple ladies in like the last couple months. And both of them had a huge impact on this church, and both of them have been here since the 1980s. I figured I was talking to Tom before the service. They'd become the church 14 years before we did. You know, and um, Sally Messix um, was a wonderful lady. One of her great gifts was encouragement. You might have, if you noticed, in the wintertime, she'd sit over there right by the fireplace because she was always cold. And she'd greet everybody that came in. And she'd just talk to people. She loved talking to people. You know, and she talked to me about being a dad. And she says, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of money. You know, and she says, you don't need a lot of money. My dad didn't have a lot of money, but he, I knew he loved me. You're doing great. You're doing great. You don't got to worry about your kids. I telling you, you know. <laughs> and that was so encouraging for me, you know. Things I might have already known, but it was so good to hear it. You know, and before my kids were teenage, teenagers, people would say, I'm really going to Costco. Oh, your kids are cute. And one person actually said, wait till they're a teenager. And I'm like, even if it's true, we don't have to tell them. Let's just enjoy this time, you know. And Sally was the one that says, you don't have to worry about your kids. You don't got to worry about them. Just wonderful. And Alpha, she helped with Alpha. And that was a, like a Bible study we'd do here. Um, it's kind of like basically God 101 and she'd be there, she'd be at the tables, and she'd just talk to people. And she had the ability of talking to people that were like 40 years younger and still being able to relate to them. And there was one girl that grew up in the church, and she said, I'm still struggling. I don't know what I believe. And she says, how old are you? And she said, I'm like 20. She says, I didn't have to figure out until I was 30. you got plenty of time. But that's, she didn't look at the young person going, why don't you have to figure it out? She saw the need. She was an encourager. Encourage her, keep going, keep going after Jesus. She was uh, an encourager for our softball team. She cheered them on with their consistent record of <laughs> coming in second. There she was. And so many times after I preach, she would come up here and say, You just keep getting better, kid. I'm going to really miss that today. She sat right there. I owe Cody. Now she had cancer this spring and got the best of her. Completely different person. Loved to serve people. I didn't know until recently that she worked with Transform during preparing the meals. And it wasn't until after that she couldn't do anymore that Jeff told me how many hours it takes to prepare for it. It's like four or five hours every time they do it and they do it every other month. Just giving her time. There's no flashiness going... The Cody's are doing this again. They were just behind the scenes. And, you know, I, I got permission to talk about it because it's, you know, so recent. And Tom says, yeah, talk about her. And they're talking about transfer bearing. He says, and she loved it. She loved it. God gave her a gift, and she used it, and she loved it. Find the gifts that you love and use it. Be the person who God has called you to be with the giftings he has given you. Like that small boy. God will use what you already have, but he will multiply it. 
you are more than enough to be used by God. And there's a world out there that is dying and hurting and needs you. You know, after Sally's memorial, someone I was talking to her, just saying, hey, it was a family member, I just said, we, we, we're going to really miss Sally, we love Sally. And he's, the tone was, yeah, you guys have a lot of big, big shoes to fill. And I, and I appreciate what he had to say, but later on I kind of thought about it, and I, I thought, no, because Sally excelled at being Sally. Just like I own, excelled at being I own. She found her gifting was using it. We should be inspired by these ladies, and I'm inspired by these ladies. But be who God's called you to be. God will fill in those holes. And let's celebrate those ladies' lives. We can limit God, not because God is limited. We have, I, I struggle with how to say this, honestly. Because God is all-powerful. But I think we limit God in our lives by the choices we make, by the way we discount it, by the way we say, I'm just too busy, or I don't have the smarts, or if you knew, if you knew my checkered past. There's so much you guys can give. There's so much you guys have already given. This is Thanksgiving week. I, I love this week. I love Thanksgiving. I think maybe as I've gotten older, maybe because I love food more, I appreciate it more. But it's a holiday that really is a religious holiday. It's an American holiday. We are literally giving thanks because God has given us so much. And sometimes we, people say, well, I'm thankful. And as, as a Christian, it's really easy for me because I know that God is the one who gives all the good gifts. People say, I'm thankful. I always think, that's great, but who are you thankful to? Because someone gave to you. You know, and it's a necessity as Christian to be thankful. You know, without being thankful, guess what happens to us? We become sour. We start to grumble. We start to see the negative things. We get spoiled. Being thankful helps us to be better grounded. When you're around someone who's thankful, man, it's, it's contagious. You're around someone who's completely negative. You ever been in the room, you go, there's a person who just, I don't know, a person walks in, and they just see the negativity in everything, and just the morale in the room goes, ooh, you know? You ever been like that, the kind of person? And then you've been around someone else that are just motivated. Like, they see, they see the positive. We can do this, we can do better. Come on, let's go for it, guys. Ooh, it goes back up. It's so true with the heart of being thankful. You know, and it's so easy to be thankful when life is good for us. And we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? And we should be thankful. But it's harder when life is not going our way. Maybe it's the loss of a job, being underemployed. The finances are not going in the right direction. Things in our house keep breaking. Feeling of loneliness or isolation. You just need a friend. Your health takes a turn for the worse. You're struggling at school. Feeling lost. The loss of a loved one. And now the holidays just don't feel quite the same. 
There's even more of a challenge to be thankful, but still there's still a reason to be thankful. Because the God of heaven, that God that cares for you, you know, the Bible says he sticks closer to you, closer than a brother. He will be your peace in the storm. So often I think when we're going through a storm in our life, is that sometimes we ask God to remove the storm. And many times I think God just wants to take our hand and say, I'm here to take you through the storm. But he'll be that peace for you. And there's a peace that trans the peace that transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense. You're going through a hard time. You know, I'm just gonna share this. I have visited Ion a few times in the hospital. And I was nervous going to go visit her in the hospital because she just had this bad news. You know what? She was like encouraging. She was such a blessing to all the nurses. She got to know them. She says, you know, I just want to get to know them. I want them to know, I know they've got a tough job. She's the patient, and she's the one encouraging them. And she had a great personality. And she was talking about how the nurses got to know her really well. At one point, she, uh, she didn't like having her socks on when she was in bed, but she wanted them on when she was walking around. At one point, she's in, in there. nurse comes up and whoop, flips the socks off her feet just because she got to know them. She got to know them personally. I know that she, her light shined there. I know there was a peace that she had, and she knew that no matter where her health took her, or how much time she had, or how little or how great, she had a peace that she knew that God was with her no matter everything. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Life is short, and God wants to use you. Our heart should be that, to be the best version of ourself, because our family needs it, our coworkers need it, our classmates need it, our neighbors need it, the people at the grocery store need it. Where the disciples saw an impossible task, God saw an answer. He used a little boy with this measly little meal. He blessed it, multiplied it, and used it, and met the people with their needs that, that they had at the time. There are needs around us. Find out what those needs are. See what you can do to meet those needs. I would add this too. If you are someone in this room that has a need, let that need be known. Don't struggle on your own. Don't believe like me on my own home projects. Find someone knows what they're doing. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you, Lord. You made each one of us unique. That we're not all the same. That you did that with a purpose. We are one body with many parts, and each part has a value, has a purpose. I ask, Lord God, that each one in this room would find out what their purpose is, what the gifts, the abilities they've given them. Show them what it is. Show them how to use it, that others may be blessed, because people are dying and people need you. 
Help us to love people, Lord, the way you did and still do. In your awesome and glorious name, Lord Jesus, amen.